We'll go to God in a word of prayer real quick, and then we'll get started into class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us, and we just thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come and worship you, to learn more about you, to sing praises to you, Lord. And I just ask you bless us as we as we do this, and this be something that's pleasing in your sight, Lord. I ask that you be with us as we go through our class. Help us to learn things that we can apply to our lives to better ourselves, to go out and then take and help better others and, and bring them to you, Lord. I just ask you to be with this country as we going through the COVID and through other things that we're, we're going through right now. Just ask you bless us and, and be with us and help us to come back in, into a, maybe a better understanding and, and a better closeness and ultimately get closer to you, Lord. Just thank you for everything you do for us. In Christ we pray. Amen. So I'm, I'm, we're going to continue on this, uh, this kind of a, a theme um, that I'm going to go through for the next probably, who knows, maybe a year, we'll see. But it's the, the me, my, I type um, series that I'm talking about. And what we've been talking about this, the last two weeks is who are you going to be? And the idea is, is about making yourself a better person through your character, you know, by getting closer to God. And focusing, you know, on, on yourself and, and, and kind of a maybe self-improvement, but, but really focusing on who you are through, through your character. And the first one we did was it's your funeral. And the idea around that is, what is what's going to be said about you after you die at your funeral? And we're not talking about what the nice things that no matter what, you know, they say from up here, you know, that even if you're a jerk, they still say, oh, well, the, you know, he was something, Right. You know, they don't get up there and, and say, so-and-so was a jerk all of his life. You know, let's bury him in the ground. They, they try to find something nice to say about him. So, but what's, what are the side conversations going to be about you? As, uh, you know, <clears throat> think about those things that as you go through your life. You know, what's going to be said about you on your, on your final day? And last week we looked at uh, David and the art of kind of slowly selling your soul, how he went from, you know, not being where he was supposed to be. He should have been on the battlefield, but instead he stayed back. And then how that just slowly led to, you know, all kinds of, of adultery and, and lying and, and conceiving all the way up to murder and then, and, you know, trying to cover all that up. I mean, it's just, you know, what, I ha what do you have going on in your life that you can easily allow yourself to slip into maybe slowly sell in your soul? And all of this comes around the, 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 the kind of the final thought of your character, not your competency, determines who you are and how you're going to be remembered. You know, it doesn't really matter how good you are at your job, all right, or how successful of a business person you are. You know, for the most part, whenever you die, people are going to remember you for your character, who you were, the type of person that you were. You know, if you're a jerk most of your life and mean and hateful to people, when you die, that's what you're going to be remembered for. <clears throat> and so the idea of looking at these, these two different things is, you know, let's look at these, but how do you get there, right? So, so we've looked at, you know, what's going to be said about you? What's your character going to be? We've looked at, you know, how David you know, sold his soul, how we can sell our soul sometimes to so many different things. But how do we keep from doing that? And so the, the title for this week is Me Time. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at Jesus and how Jesus did a lot of the things that he did. Because obviously you, you look at, at you know, if we want to look at an example of someone to follow, right, let's look at the, the person who was perfect. So the question around that is, 
How did Jesus do what he did? And we can look at this from multiple ways. I mean, even if we look at this from a non-Christian standpoint, and you look back at Jesus' life, we, we don't know too many people who were alive 2,000 years ago, right? And that overtook the world with, with their beliefs. So even if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, how could he have possibly done what he did? But we know who he was. So then the second question is, is how did Jesus become who he became? So the two questions, how did Jesus do what he did and how did Jesus become who he became? And our theology, right, is Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. All right, some people want to say, well, it was easier for him because he was God, so his temptations weren't as strong, right? Going on the cross and his death, that wasn't as bad as it would have been for someone else. You know, it was easier for him to go through and do the things you know, his temptations weren't that bad, right? It, w- it wasn't as hard for him. But that's untrue because if that was the case, then I, he wouldn't have been, to, in my opinion, and I think if you looked at it doctrinally, he wouldn't have been a, a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus had to experience everything that any human on this earth could experience and be tempted by. So the fact that he was 100% God, but he was 100% human, so he had the same exact struggles, struggled with the same exact things, that we did, but yet he didn't sin. There was one, but if you look, there's one thing that, that Jesus did on a regular basis, and I think this was the key to him being able to live the perfect life that he did, was he always was going away and with alone time and prayer and with God. And if you look at Mark 16, verse 32, I'm sorry, Mark 6, verses 30 through 32. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. He had sent them out to, to, to go and, and work on, on a kind of, I think, preparing them for, for what they were going to do and told them all that he had done and taught. In verse 31, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Well, that makes sense, right? He, he, you know, it, it's good for us to get away. But look at the rest of this. He said that because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. Well, that doesn't seem right, right? He's Jesus. He should have stayed and, and, and worked with all these people and healed them all until they were all gone, and then he could have gone, right? That's why we do it a lot of times in the church. It's like, well, we're going to work and work and work and work until everyone's gone. We're going to overdo ourselves, and then we'll rest, right? And we do that in our lives as well. But there's a reason he did this. He was human, right? Healing people, dealing with people's problems, on a regular basis, it's exhausting, right? I mean, can you imagine being someone and having thousands of people come to you and you have, you're having to deal with and see their problems every single day? I mean, how exhausting? I mean, I think eventually you'd be like, you know what? And I think he kind of did this, not in, in a hateful way, but it's like, look, i got to get away. i got to go and rest. He says, so they left, in verse 32, they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. You need that alone time. You need to be alone. If we look at in Luke 5, verses 15 and 16, but, the, beside, but despite Jesus' instructions, he had healed someone, and he told him not to, to let anyone know. The report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. 
You know, he had all these people coming to him and that needed him and needed, you know, needed his healing and wanted his healing. But in him, in his human condition, he still had to break away, go and rest, and spend time in prayer with his father. So if we go back and look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life was only 33 years. Right? He spent 33 years on, the, on, on earth. 30 of those years he spent preparing for the three years of ministry that he was going to have. And if you look at his, the way he, he did these things, I mean, you think of that's what a 10 to 1 ratio for, for the just three years that he was going to spend on this earth for ministry that led to the cross and his death on the cross. He was 30 years old when he started that. You know, most of us, when we, we go into whatever we're going to go into, we're 18, 19, 20. You know, we spent a 12 years in, in school to prepare for, for, for what it is. He spent 30 years preparing for just three years of what he was going to have to do. And then as he did that, he led a life of self-sacrifice. I mean, you think of Jesus' life, his entire makeup and being was of self-sacrifice. His whole purpose for coming here was literally to sacrifice himself for us. And so think about that for a little bit. You know, how, how many of us live or have, I guess, phases or, or times in our lives where a lot of it's focused on, on, on self-sacrifice? I, I think a lot of, like, teachers, you know. I mean, that, that's, there's a lot of self-sacrifice when it comes to teaching. First responders. We've learned that over the last few months, right? I mean, first responders are, I mean, there's a ton of self-sacrifice going on. They are putting themselves in harm's way so that people can stay healthy and, 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 and get better. You know, sometimes business owners, you'll go into a, a, a period or a time of self-sacrifice if you're starting a business or, or starting a new business. Parents, I think parent, uh, being a parent can be a, an ultimate self-sacrifice. You spend, you know, 18, 20 years or however long, you know, making sure if you're a good parent, that, you know, you are doing what's best. You're giving up self for your kids. And so we live through those, those types of, of self-sacrifice. But the thing is, is we can't keep that up forever. All right? And so if we look at that, you know, self-sacrifice. Oops. Ah. Without self-care. leads to self-medication and self-indulgence. If you, you, yeah, yeah, and ultimately self-destruction, right? I mean, we think of, we, we think of the world today. You, you think of the, the world we live in, right? The United States is one of the most prop, prosperous nations to, to, to be on this earth, right, in the history of this world. And we are the most unhealthy, the most drugged, the most self-medicated and self-indulged we've ever been. Uh, I mean, you think about it. Because we're not taking the time. We're not, we, we are all, con we've kind of, you know, I, I talk about it a little bit. It's like that American dream, that American push, right? It's like, well, we, you, you go and go and go and go and go. And we're doing that and we're not stopping. And we're not taking care of ourselves. You know, diabetes is the highest it's ever been. Heart condition is the highest it's ever been. All these Medical problems are the highest it's ever been, and then we just throw drugs that kind of treat the symptoms 
on top of it instead of actually taking care of ourselves. So people, you, you've seen that, people who constantly go and go and go. You know, they, they, they get on drugs or they get hooked on alcohol or something else. I mean, other people's, it's food, right? Some, some people's self-medication is food. Others is work. You become a workaholic. And work becomes your, your, your self-medication. And then the other thing is, is self-indulgence. And that is, you know, you know, we got people who go on vacations like 30 times a year. You know, it's this, you know, we, we self-indulge ourselves with shopping and, and things and, and property and, and the next best thing and, and all that stuff because that makes us feel better for, for a little bit of time. So self-sacrifice without self-care leads to self-medication and self-indulgence. And so that's not to say we shouldn't live a life of self-sacrifice, right? As Christians, we should. And, and I think as Christians, we get in trouble with this a lot of times because we think we should so much that we don't stop and take that time for self-care. So the question then is, how's your self-care? And a lot of people will say, well, how's this related to character? This has everything to do with it. If we don't slow down and pay attention, you know, if we don't take care of ourselves and we're not taking care of ourselves, you know, in a healthy way, in a spiritual way, how are we going to be able to really help others? If we're not taking care of ourselves, if, if we run ourselves or burn ourselves out, how are we really going to be there for other people and, and, and pass that on along to other people if we're going through that? And, I, and I'll say this is probably one of the areas that, well, I know it's not probably, I know this is one of the areas that, that I've got to learn, you know, because I'm, not my personality is that way. It's like, I always want to be on the go, always doing something new, always learning something new, always trying to, to, trying to do something. And so a lot of times you, you've got to just stop, stop and smell the roses, as, as they say sometimes, right? You, you can't just keep going and going and going or you will burn yourself out. And so there's kind of a, a formula, and I, I, the rest of this, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I didn't come up with my own. I'm not that smart. But it, it was some stuff that I was looking at, and I, and I thought it was really good principles, so I kind of stole it and, and made it my own. But... One of the, the formulas or, or calculations here is that we need to work twice as hard on our character than we do our competence, right? Whether that competency is your business, whether your career, whatever it is that you're, you're, you know, it's not hard to do that, those kind of things, right? If you're passionate about, you know, IT, like for my say, it's not hard for me to pick up books or learn new things on, on IT, right? If you're, if you're passionate about, you know, farming or, or, or whatever you're, you, it is. You're, it's not hard to, to learn these things and, and, and work on those competencies, right? And, and to go into whatever, you're, whatever it is. But it's hard sometimes to sit down and just focus on that character side. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we're so focused on what I'm good at or what I, you know, these things that, I, that I'm going to do and all these things that we forget to go back and look at that character side. And I talked about that a little bit last week. As you'll see so many people who become so successful, even in, even in the ministry, but they'll, they'll, they'll stop working on that character side and then they end up in an affair or they'll end up in you know, stealing money or end up you know, just in some kind of thing that they shouldn't be in because they were so focused on what they were doing that they didn't stop for a minute and look at the, the character side of who they were. 
So here's the other thing we need to understand. No one will ever pay you to work on your character. People will pay you to do good at your job, right? They'll send you to training courses at, at your work, you know. You'll pay yourself if you own your own business to, to learn how to do this better or how to be better at this or how to, how to go further at that. No one will ever pay you to work on your character, but they will fire you if you don't. Now, how many times have someone stolen money from a business and they said, you know what, that's just not something we work on. Let's send you to this training seminar on how not to steal. Right? Or if you're mean and you're just jerk to everyone you work with, they're not going to say, hey, I'm going to pay you to go to this seminar on how not to be a jerk. Right? These are expected things when you go into a job. How about in our, our family lives or our personal lives? You know? People aren't going to pay you to work on your character, but they'll leave you if you don't. Right? If I, if I cheat on my wife, she's not going to say, well, no, let's go and, and pay to have you, you know, more than likely, she's like, you know, I'm gone. Right? If you're a jerk to the people in your lives or you've got anger issues, you know, most of them aren't going to come to you and say, you know what, let's, let's go and get you help. More than likely, they're just going to stop having anything to do with you. And so that, that's why it's important, and that's why you have to work twice as hard on your character as you do your competency in the, in the things in your life. So the, the ultimate question then is, is, if I need to do that, how do I do it? Right? How? And this is going to be counterintuitive to a lot, especially the church culture of how we do this because our, I talked about it already is a lot of our ideas we need to give, give our, ourselves, give, give, give. You know, we need to be doing things. We need to be giving to others, right? And, and that's important. But in order to do this, we're going to have to put ourselves first when it comes to spiritual growth. And I, and I do, I think this is, we've, I think we've missed the mark on this one a little bit sometimes. Because I, you see a lot of times people who have been Christians for, for 15, 20, 30 years, and their spiritual maturity is just not there. Right? And it may be. You know, they may be one of the hardest working people in the church. Now, I've seen that sometimes. They are the hardest working person in the church. They've been doing it for 15, 20 years. You know, if there's an event, they're going to be there. If there's, you know, someone who needs help, they're going to be there. But then you, you look at their spiritual maturity or their spiritual growth, and it just hasn't been there. Because they haven't taken the time to stop and build themselves. Because we, we can't give something that we don't have. If we don't have spiritual maturity, we can't pass it on or pass it down to someone. It just, it's not going to happen. You can't give someone something that you don't have. So there's five things that's, that's outlined here of how to grow ourselves in, in a spiritual nature to where we become more spiritually mature, and better, and so we can then take that out and, and improve others. The first one is spend time alone. How often do is anyone in here actually spend time alone, truly alone? No phone, no technology. Yeah, the hands started going down. <laughs> no Apple Watch with notifications, right, or, or other watch with notifications. That, that time alone is very, very, very valuable. Getting away into alone time. You know, what's funny is, is 
you know, with all the COVID stuff that's going on, a lot of people have, you know, kind of been forced into, you know, alone time, I guess, right? A little bit of isolation. But even then, we're still not alone because we have all the, the technology, we have all the, the different things. So how often do you actually just spend time alone, alone getting away from it all? And that's hard. We, you know, and, and a lot of it, too, is people don't like spending that time alone. They don't like having that, that just no noise, right? I mean, like, I, I, I'm that way. Like, if I'm laying in bed, I've got to have, like, a fan on. I've got to have a TV on because this is like you, you've gotten so used, your brain's gotten so used to just having some kind of static white noise or something that when you're completely alone and it's in complete silence, you're uncomfortable. And I, and I think sometimes the reason that is is because we bump into things we don't like, right? We start thinking about some of those things that maybe I do need to work on or, man, I did that thing and I really shouldn't have done that thing. And so we like a lot of these distractions in our life because it keeps us distracted from, you know, maybe the, some of the things that we need to work on. And Matthew 6, 6 talks about this. And I know I, I kind of use this for this situation, even though maybe it's not 100%, but I, I do think it applies for it. Jesus talks here about go away by yourself, shut the door behind you in private. Now, he's talking about when you pray, not to do it in a, in, in a, in a haughty manner where everyone can see it. And, you know, but I, I think there's, there's a reason for you know, not doing that, obviously, because you don't want to just bring yourself and, and bring attention to yourself. But I think there's an, another reason for this, and, it is, it is, and obviously I haven't put the whole verse in here, and we're going to look at it. You'll see why here in a minute. But there's a reason, I think, why beyond just the... The, the attention aspect of it, there's a reason why Jesus says, go and be by yourself and alone when you pray. All right? So that brings us to number two. You need to spend time alone. But number, number two, you need to spend time alone with God. That, you know, spending time alone may help you some, but if you're not spending time alone with God, then, that, then you're really not going to get anywhere as, as well as you would. How do most of us spend time alone with God right now? Anyone want to be real honest with that? Riding in the, you know, riding in the car, on, yeah, on, the, on the way to work, maybe you say your prayer or you talk to God then, maybe when you're brushing your teeth in the morning. Talk with God. That's good. Taking walks. Taking walks. That's good. I would say that, and I don't mean this to be negative, but I would say that's probably the minority, right? Of actually taking that time, stopping and spending time, like spending that actual time, breaking out everything else, getting it away, and actually spending time with God there. Yeah. You, know, you got that time, and, and so we humans get in a rush, and then we say, "Well, I spent my quote time with God, but it really wasn't much or quality." No, and, and this is where I struggle, right? Because my time, my my brain—I don't know what it is. My brain's always going a million miles an hour, always. And it's like, so I'll be trying to sit down and pray, and as I'm praying, I'm like, "Oh, I think of this," and I'm like, "Oh," and you start thinking about this over here, and then it's like five minutes later, you come back to your prayer, 
right, or <laughs> your conversation, and, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be in a good position for a, mile, a minute, and then it's like, oh, wow, and then you're, you're over. I was like, I have an ADD of the mind when it, when it comes to prayer, you know. I, I'm like that little dog on uh, up, you know, he's like squirrel, you know. It's like, <laughs> so, so, you know, but, and I, and I, but I think this comes with practice, and I think part of it, too, is we're in such a hurry that our alone time with God is, is when we're getting ready in the morning or when we're brushing our teeth or when we're driving to work, you know, when we still have a lot of distractions. Very few times are we sitting down, you know, and then this doesn't need to be like, oh, well, I'll do this once a week. This needs to be on a daily basis. Some of the most tuned-in people that I've seen with, or close people to God that I've seen are people who get up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and spend an hour a day in word or reading the word and in prayer with God. And it's like, well, oh man, I couldn't get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's hard. It is. I think it's a practice. I think the more you do it, the more you are in, in tune with God, the more you, you practice this, the more you read the Bible, the more you pray, the better. It's like having a conversation with anyone. I mean, the more you have a conversation with someone, the easier it is to talk with them. You know, when I first meet someone, you know, it's kind of awkward, right? You know, but the more you talk, the more you have conversation, the more you the easier it becomes and, and the better it becomes. And so I think that's where we get at. So if we look at the whole of Mark six, or Matthew 6.6, 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And like I said, I know this is talking about not doing it for, as, as a show, but I think there's a point here to, too as this is, there's a reason why he wants you to go to be in private and alone when you pray, right? Because that way you are focusing on hopefully the right things and that relationship's going to be a little bit better. And then if we look at Mark 135, because as Jesus is an example, before daybreak, the next morning Jesus got up and went out, of, out to an isolated place to pray. You see this over and over again, Matthew 14, 23. After spending them, sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. You know, and it, so it wasn't, you know, Jesus went up there and spent a few minutes in isolation praying. He was up there so long that the night, the night came. Right? And we see this before, even before you know, he went for the death on the cross, he went into isolation. You know, because these are things that he did not want to do. I mean, he didn't, I mean, he was like, look, if you can take this away from me, take it. I don't want to do it. But he did it anyway. And so if we want to look back and go through and look at how Christ was able to do the things he did, it was because he took the time on a very regular basis to be alone by himself and spend time with God. And if we want to, if we want to mimic the same thing and, and, and try to be the same thing and do the same thing, we need to do those things as well. Number three, make time for honest and authentic communication. This is where I think small groups are, are so important. Because in today's age, we, we don't have a lot of those close, personal friendships, I think, sometimes where we can sit down and just have those honest conversations. And those so, uh, Some of us do, but there's a lot of people out there that don't. And if we look in this world, and we kind of talked about it uh, on point one, everyone in this world is really seems to be really isolated, Right? We, are, we have never been more connected in any time period in the, in the history of the world, but ever been, never been so alone, right? Depression, things like that are all-time high. People talk about how they're, they're, they're alone. They have, you know, 10,000 friends on Facebook, and they can text and have conversations and chats 
every single day, but yet they feel so alone. All right? And so the question then is, is who knows you? Like, who really knows you? Go ahead. Why do you think that is? Because they're, they're lacking human communication? They're, they're, they're communicating with a human being, right. but they're not physically communicating with a yeah. human there's being. A, there's a huge difference between sitting down face-to-face and having that, that conversation, right? That, that, that eyeball-to-eyeball type conversation. There's something, you know, and I, I think we've, to that point, we've kind of, we've kind of felt that here with the, in the church with, with, you know, online church, right? Because we've had to, to do what we've had to do. It's not the same as coming in and being in the physical presence of the body and, and physically being here and physically being around one another, right? And I almost think that why it gets worse, you know, and I, I think there's a little bit of scientific and psychological study around this. The reason it gets worse is because... Like, even though you do talk more, I think that, that, that desire for the, the closeness makes it e- even stronger, right? You, you become, that, that desire becomes stronger because you, you are more and more just communicating through texts and IMs and, and, you know, I mean, most people don't even want to talk to each other anymore, right? It's like, you know, why are you calling me when you could text me, <laughs> you know, right? And so, so we live in this world where it's, it's, Proven that you know we are more connected than ever before. I can I can talk to someone over in Japan just like that if I want to, right? But you know, looking at the statistics and and the the medication and the science and the the health around it, people have never been more alone and more depressed. So who who knows you, right? Who are you talking to? And there's a lot of people in this world that that the answer to that question is no one really. I might you know talk to someone on Facebook about my problems or maybe some in an IM or something like that. But who are you really talking to? Who are you really spending time with? And that's why I, and that's why I say, like, in the beginning, uh, I push, and I think small groups are very important, especially in, 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 as a church grows and, and get bigger, it gets larger. You know, it's hard sometimes to get into that small net group of people who you can talk to and be honest with and grow with, and I, I think those are very important, and hopefully we can get back into that once everything kind of clears up. But I think James 5.16 kind of speaks to this. When he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't think the idea around here, you know, it says confess your sins and at the end so that you may be healed, Right, it's that's a spiritual healing, you know. It's not well. Some maybe sometimes it's a physical side, but when you when you're in a sin or you know that that can physically make you sick, right? And if you don't talk about that and you hold that in, that even makes you worse. I mean, you you look at a lot of people who you know they've proven that you know not dealing with things, bottling things up, leads to high blood pressure, leads to to heart conditions, leads to strokes, leads to blood clots, leads to all kind of medical like stomach issues and I mean all this kind of how you stress and all that holding that stuff in because it's going to come out of your body one way or the other whether you, whether you talk about it or, or it comes out through some sort of health condition you know this isn't a thing of well we, we need to do this so so and so knows about what so and so is doing and we can spread it around no this is a, an actual conversation of look sitting down with someone a, a brother and sister in Christ say hey this is what I'm going through these are the problems that I'm having and I, and I need help and, and I need you to pray for me on it and help me help me get through it 
And I think we've lost some of this. I think sometimes we, we lose because we live in a world of, I guess, social media influence where everything everyone's lives are perfect and everyone's pictures are perfect and, you know, and everyone's families are perfect and no one has any problems. And, and, and so we look at these people and, and we, uh, you know, and then the other side of that is there have been times where, you know, you'll, you'll confess something to someone or you'll talk about something to someone and then everyone knows about it, right? Or they're, talk, they're talking about it. So we, we've got to get down into this and do this the right way where we have other people to t- go and talk to and spend time with who can pray for us. And so we can get these things and we can help each other grow. This is how you're going to grow. You're going to help each other grow. Because everyone in here, I don't care who you are, you're going through something. You're struggling with some sort of sin. You're, you're struggling with something. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are. And you need to sit down and have conversations with other people so they help you out and growing in this. <laughs> Number four. Good. Yep. We all do a lot of talking, but the kind of communication you're talking about is a lot deeper. Yes. yes. Facebook's a lot of talking, but, but there's not much. From, I mean, I take away a thing or two from, you know, a little quote or something that I think is neat, but, but to me, Facebook is not communication. No. Um, and, uh, and then this social media. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 a lot of this is like you say, this is not easy things, right? Very few people go on Facebook and, and listen to a fa- or see a Facebook conversation or, or put something that come about come away from it feeling just, you know, relieved and, and, and healed and much better. So yeah, this this is all of these things are not easy, right? None of these things that's why you know at the at, you know, we talk about character. You're going to have to work twice as hard on it because it's not easy. Number four, stop making excuses. I think this is our, one of our biggest things is, that hinders us is we make excuses as to why we cannot do things. Like, well, I wish I could do that, but I just, you know, I don't have the time. Or, or, or I, you know, I would love to be able to get up early and spend an hour in the, you know, in the Word and praying, but I just, I don't have time to, to do this. I, I just can't do that. I got too many other things going on. And so it, it just depends on what we're going to, and I, and I, again, this is one of those verses that maybe doesn't tie directly to that, but, but I think it does have, have an impact. In Luke 14, 18 through 20, but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And then one so I just got married, so I can't come, right? And so you know, this was talking about the being invited to the feast, but I think you know this can apply as well into our lives. Is, is we just make excuses as to why we can't do things, especially from a, from a spiritual standpoint, because they're hard. But here here's the thing: if we if we stop making excuses, you'll start making progress. And it can be you know it's not going to be overnight. You're not going to go from not doing something to Suddenly, the next day, waking up at 5 a.m. every morning, spending an hour in prayer and an hour in the Word, 
and, and, and going. It's, you're going to have to slowly roll yourself into, into these things. Right? I mean, it's the same thing we, we, we talked about last week of you don't just one day you're, you're, you're living a godly life like King David was, and then the very next day you've murdered someone. It's a, it's a slow progress, right? You slowly <clears throat> roll into these things, and so you're going to stop another day. Maybe it's stop making one excuse a day of, you know, okay, well, I can do this, right? Or maybe I try, maybe you get up 10 minutes earlier than what you did the day before, and you do that every day or every week until you, you slowly you get into it. So but the thing here is just stop making excuses and just do it. I know that seems easier said than done, but if, if you slowly roll into it and slowly stop making those excuses, then the, the, the nice thing about it is you'll start making progress and, and moving forward. And then number five is make your talk match your walk. And now a lot of people are like, what does that mean? <laughs> you don't know? I don't know if I know, Jocelyn. Get rid of the fake imagery, right? How many of us, when someone asks, how's your day going or how's things going, you put on that smile and everything's great, everything's going fine, right? Fake facade, right? And so that's what it means by make your talk match your walk. How things are really going, talk about that, right? How your walk really is right now, talk about that. You know, I am struggling with this, or this is a problem that I'm having. Not, no, everything's perfect, everything's wonderful. I talked about that with social media. You know, the, you know, guys and girls and families and all this stuff, you know, we'll take 15, 20 pictures to get that perfect one with the perfect angle, and then we put the 15 filters on top of it, right? And then we post it to Facebook, and everyone's like, Oh, man, look, that person's got it together, right? Or you see all the family outings and stuff like that. You know, we don't see the arguments to have, you know, not too many people put, well, seems like more and more every day, but most people don't put their family arguments and, and their, their weaknesses and their bad things out for everyone to see, right? And I'm not saying start doing that, right? You know, I'm not saying, like, well, so-and-so yelled at me today, I'm, you know. But, but we need to start, stop pretending to be someone that we are not. Right? We, we need to be more real. We need to actually, you know, and that kind of goes back to the, the conversations, having the honest conversations. But even in our real lives, we need to stop acting like we have everything together because we don't, right? And, and most people know that we don't, and the only people we're trying to fool is ourselves, really. And so we, we need to go out there and make our talk match your walk. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, and you talk to them. Yep. That would solve a lot of problems. Man, it would solve a lot of problems, right? And it's hard. I'm not saying it's no, easy. No, <laughs> it's not easy. You know? Well, most of us don't like confrontation. He yeah. Said, yep. That is what God says is yep. the best way yep. to deal with issues. Go talk to that person. Talk it out. And, and, and work it out and, and make it right. You know, that's not always going to work, but I, I mean, man, nine times out of ten, it, it makes the situation a whole lot better. So make your talk match your walk, right? Quit putting on the fake facade. You know, be honest about how things, be honest about the things that you struggle with. And, and, and this works so good 
especially to a non-Christian. Because if we put on the facade of us being Christians and, and we're perfect and we have it all together, and you have a non-Christian in your life, and they, they see that, and, and it makes them like, well, man, I'm never going to be able to match up or you know, get, in, get into here and actually do the things that I need to do. And, and you know, they have it all together. It's going to take me forever to get there. And, and if we can show the non-Christian, look, we're just as messed up as you are. We have the same problems that you are. We just have someone to help us with it. Then you're going to do a whole lot better job of getting people in the church. So just to recap real quick, spend time alone. Spend time alone with God. Make time for honest and authentic, authentic communication. Stop making excuses. You'll start seeing progress. Match, make your talk match, Make your talk match your walk. That's hard for me to say. And as you do all this, this is going to be the most important thing. Let it love be your filter. You can do all these things, and if you do not let love be your filter, they're going to be a waste of time. And we can go back to Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Yep, 1 Corinthians gives a whole chapter of what, that, what love is. And here's the thing. You do this and you start working on these things, guess what? The people closest to you, I put should in here, be the people that are most grateful. If you're a jerk and you stop trying to be a jerk and you work on that, people around you are going to be like, hey, that's a nice thing. right? If you start to improve your character and work on your character, people are going to support you in that. And so, you know, anytime you have someone that, that's, that's doing that and, and you have that extra support, it makes it a whole lot easier. But we have to remember, in order to do this, you're going to have to work twice as hard on your character than you do your company. You're going to have to. And then, hopefully, we can close the gap between who you are and then the title of this is who you're going to be. Who are you going to be? Yep. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The more you get your character straight, the more yeah. confident you're going to yeah. be. I think that's one of the other side benefits of that, you know. I, I agree with that. I think that's, a, that's very true. I mean, the more you better yourself, no matter what you're doing, that's going to benefit from it. You know, whether you're a ditch digger or a CEO, right? So, slow down, pay attention. Work on you, right? And, and I know this is, this is kind of a, a counter-cultural thing that we've, we've learned. Is we've, when it comes to our spirituality and growing spiritually, we've got to put ourselves first because we are not going to be able to help other people grow spiritually unless we ourselves are spiritually mature. And so that's kind of my, our series there for the who, you, who are you going to be. I, I hope you all like that. Now, next week... We're going to start a new series, and I honestly do not know how long this one's going to be because I'm still working on it, but it's called Neighbor. And there's a reason, obviously, I think everyone understands why we're going to be talking about the question in Luke 10, 29, who is my neighbor? And I'm going to be honest, we're going to have some, I'm going to be frank a little bit in, in this next series. But what I want you all to do is I want you to spend some time thinking about that, reading that story in Luke 10 about the Good Samaritan 
and think about a lot of the things that are going on in the world in the United States today around who is my neighbor and how do we treat our neighbors and how do we respond to and react to people who are our neighbors and, and just look at that and filter it through a, a Christian lens and, and see where you stand because I, I'm, I'm going to have some interesting conversations and my ask and I asked this in the leadership meeting um, on Tuesday is that you pray for me as I put this together because I know that this is a very hard topic right now and I want to make sure that as I go through it and as I do it that I give it justice or I guess the God gives it justice through me on having this conversation because I know this is a hard conversation to have right now so that's what we'll get into next week I appreciate it thank you everyone